Hey guys, this is Pastor Zach, and you are listening to Sermon Notes here at HPC. Everybody knows the world's perspective of Christmas. Everybody even probably knows the church's perspective of Christmas. Uh, We know the world's because it's on every billboard and every commercial. Uh, It's go into debt. It's try to compensate for being a deadbeat dad by spending a lot of money at Christmas on all your kids or whatever it is. You figure it out. You, you, You can do the math. But then there's the church's perspective, which is in the front yard of every Catholic church, and it's live nativities, and it's Christmas walkthroughs, and it's carolers, and it's tradition, and it's sitting around, it's seeing that manger scene everywhere you turn. That's the church's perspective. But there's another set of eyes that was watching this all unfold, and it's through those eyes, it's through the Father's eyes that I I want us to look this morning And so for those of you who were coming in hoping for a really traditional Christmas message, I hate to um, let you down, but I will say that there are some other great churches. I know Grace Harbor is doing a great Sunday morning service tomorrow where you can go and probably hear the Christmas story the way you want to hear it. Um, But we're going to go a little deeper today, and I hope you all are all right with that. Okay? Okay. Good. So the book of John is interesting. Matthew and Luke do a phenomenal job telling us the story through man's eyes. And by the way, it's important that we understand what happened through man's eyes. It's important that we know Mary's experience with the angel, like we talked about last week, and Joseph's experience, and the the wise men, and the shepherds coming in to gather around and watch this miracle take place. It's important that we see this, that we know it, and that we understand it. But there's another gospel here where John shows up and he records the same story from a different perspective. And John had a knack for seeing things from God's point of view. And I I have found that as I have asked the Lord what his heart is on a matter, or God, how do you see this? Or how do you see me? Or how do you see my family or my marriage? Or how do you see this thing panning out? As I've, as I've made that a part of my prayer life, instead of, God, let, let me explain to you how I see it. If I can start to shift and, and make my prayer, God, help me see through your eyes. Help me to understand this the way that it looks to you in your throne room. So we're going to get into this this morning. And there are some nuances about this that are going to look different. So let's begin reading in the book of John. Chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that has come into being. And verse 4 says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. We think to tell the story of Jesus, we have to start at the manger. Or maybe, if you're really good, you start back at a prophecy somewhere. And then you're really going back. But from heaven's perspective, the story of Jesus started before the story of time. From the Father's point of view, the timeline of Jesus doesn't have a beginning dot because Jesus existed from him from the beginning. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, how in the creation narrative, we're not going to go there this morning, but I would ask you this week, maybe if you think about it, go back and reread it. Some of you may be surprised to find that God is having a conversation with himself as creation is taking place. The Godhead is dialoguing about creation, 
about man, even after the fall of man, what, what is necessitated. There's a conversation happening there. And I love this picture because we see it written that the word was present from the beginning. If you keep reading in verse nine, it says, there was the true light. Light is with a capital L. Which coming into the world enlightens every man. Verse 10 says that he was in the world. Who? Jesus was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. And then down to 14, maybe you're familiar with this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory. There it is. That is Christmas from heaven's perspective. And I want to dig into this a little bit because I think there there are some important things for us to learn about the Father, about the Son, about the role of the Holy Spirit. So first things first, we've got to understand that when, when John says that in the beginning was the Word, we've got to realize that the first manifestation of Jesus, because this is the same Word that became flesh in that manger. The first manifestation of Jesus was the creative authority of God. Zach, this doesn't sound like a Christmas message. Bear with me. How did, how did the universe come into existence? He spoke. And as our Father, as our Creator, exhaled words like light and water and land and stars and plants and fish and beasts and, and as he exhaled these words, that word, the, the collision course of particles vibrating off each other in the atmosphere brought to life creation. That word, long before it became flesh, was here. There are actually several iterations of Jesus In the Old Testament, we see stories um, that sound like this. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to somebody, so-and-so. And sometimes that angel is given a name, like Gabriel or Michael. And other times, many historians, many theologians and biblical scholars agree on the fact that when we see an angel of the Lord show up to somebody, that it is actually a Christophany, that it is actually the image of Jesus before Mary and Joseph hundreds and years, thousands of years before the nativity, Christ as part of the Trinity, as part of the Godhead, was showing up and interacting and dialoguing with people. Now, the New Testament, uh, he's who we know him as so readily, right? The rabbi, right? And then he's transfigured into a different version. And then he's resurrected into a, a, a new version. And then we see in Revelation, this apocalyptic Jesus in his glorified state, ruling and reigning at the right hand of the father. And, and so there are these different ways that Jesus is, is re-manifested. And I think it's important for us to notice that going all the way back to the beginning in verse four, it says, in him was life and the life was the light of men. So we were different from the rest of creation, right? In that we were formed by the father's hands. Everything else he spoke into existence, but when it came time to create man, he took the dust from the ground You know how they say girls are sugar and spice and everything nice? And guys are what? (laughs) See? That's exactly what it says. We got some scholars in the room this morning. 
It says the father took the dust of the ground and he formed man. And then what did he do to bring him to life? He breathed. He breathed and his spirit gave man something different than the rest of creation. His spirit gave us a soul. That's what separates us. However, Jesus still played a role in our lives going all the way back in that the living word would be our light. It said, in him was life and the life was the light of men. That word light, it's real simple, but it doesn't just mean the absence of darkness. That word light literally means um, the ability to see. It's a light in the sense that it gives sight to man. It's the difference between trying to find your way in the dark and, and a situation being illuminated and visibility suddenly becoming part of your experience. So when instructed saints not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we're going to put this together, okay? It's because rather than knowing the difference ourselves between good and evil, we were meant to find our visibility by the light of the life of the word of God, a.k.a. Jesus. That word, if you go back from to the beginning and you follow the dialogue, watch God interacting with man, the words... The conversations, it's the word that became flesh. It's the word that gives us direction. It's that word. And so saints, to choose the fruit of that tree was to choose it over the fruit of a relationship with the Father, a relationship that happened by conversation, by words, by the word, by Jesus, a relationship in which the life of his words to us dictate dominion and destiny. That's some of the first things that we have recorded from the father to Adam and Eve. And he, he, says, he says that he's giving him dominion over the earth. And he's creating destiny for him in, in progeny, in, in uh, generations to come. Be fruitful, multiply. There's dominion and destiny dictated by the word of God. Now, we live today in a world that far and away is void of a real relationship through, with, with God through Jesus. And so because of that, we have done what Adam and Eve did in eating of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We have determined our own dominion and destiny. That's why we live in a world that seeks to dominate. It's a corrupted, perverted form of the dominion the Father intended for us. That's why we're left uh, to ourselves creating our own destiny or accepting the destiny the world imposes on us. Well, this is just what I should do. This is just how it should go. Because when we don't have the light of the life of the word of God, when we don't have that light illuminating us, giving us visibility, we're stumbling around in the dark just guessing at what it is that we're supposed to do. So in verse 10, it says that he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world didn't know him. Why? Because we did choose the tree of knowledge over the vine of life and we lost our connection with God. I know people like to think that they can connect with God by sitting on their boat or on their back porch. Has anybody ever felt that? Anybody ever talked to anybody? You're trying to tell somebody you should come to church and they're like, it's not really my thing. I just... I'm really into like nature and stuff. I, I just, I connect with God on a hike or at the top of a mountain. 
Alan, you're nodding, or is that a seizure? I'm not sure. Yeah, okay. There's something going on over there. Yeah, a little bit of both. But you know people like this, right? And you're like trying to, like, no, it's, it's different. I want to just address this for a second because I get that. But what's really happening here is that there's a subconscious realization that it was Jesus' earliest form that brought all of nature to life to begin with. See, we can't connect to God here if we're not submitted to Christ. We're only observing creation submission to that creative authority. And we're all struck by it. Like, like even an atheist will stand out like at the Grand Canyon or like, you know, looking at space in the IMAX theater or something and you get like goosebumps all over your body. Why? Because you're inspired vicariously through create, of, by creation submission to its authority. It's like watching a romance movie and, and getting the same emotional response without ever having the relationship to back it up. Some of y'all are like, dang, I can't just do that. <laughs> you can keep trying. But the truth is that we possess the potential to demonstrate an even greater portrayal of his power through our own submission. A greater portrayal of his power and his glory than all of creation. Why? Because we were given his spirit. Not even the angels have his spirit. Your song is different. Your praise is different. Your worship is different. And sure, if we stop, the rocks will continue to submit without us. They will continue to cry out without us. But I think he wants to hear your song more. In order to do this, we have to know him. And in order to know him, we have to see him. And along comes Christmas. Verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. I've always missed that line. I get real hung up on the word becoming flesh. I'm like, what? The same word that was at the beginning. The same word that spoke all of creation. What? The same, the, same, the same way that word, the living word, became flesh. But in truth, the reason I like that is because the word becoming flesh means that I have a savior. There's something really kind of selfish about it at the end of the day. But in truth, the next line, the one that had always just been lost on me, got really real this year as I was in this passage. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Oh, now we're starting to see this from the Father's perspective. You see, we, we, we preach sermons and write books and songs about how humble and lowly the manger was. And, and, and we get really celebratory about how when, when Jesus did come, he came from the very bottom up. He went down so that no part of the caste system was left out, so that there was no, in fact, I've heard... Pastors preach messages about, you know, how the shepherds were equivalent to, like, some ancient version of a biker gang or something, uh, you know, so that, like, well, we know everybody showed up, and then you have, like, the upper crust of these wise men coming with these gifts, and then the shepherds who smell, okay, <laughs> whatever, that's for us, that's for you, 
But the part about this that was for the father was he was longing and yearning and desperate for a way for his sons and daughters to see his glory again. He didn't care. He was sending a love letter. And how many of you know that, especially at this time of year, you don't care what the mail truck looks like as long as the package gets delivered. You're not that worried. Like, I've seen mail delivered in, like, you know what I'm saying? They're riding horses through Rehoboth now with mail. And now it's for mail. I mean, they've always ridden horses through Rehoboth, but now, now it's for mail. And it's like, you don't, you, I'm, I'm looking at them and I'm like, man, this thing, like the wheels are all wobbling and everything. And, and the woman looks like she just, you know, I don't know, a big problem. And, and, and a big problem. And I'm like, God bless her. Like, just get my stuff to the church on time. You know what I'm saying? And, um, I think that sometimes in our natural state, our eyes have trouble moving past whatever it is that's the messenger. When all God cared about was that this love letter got delivered. You see, flesh was just the newest iteration of the word. This baby, in fact, wasn't new at all. It was his existence that dug out the depths of the sea. It was him resonating off the walls of a brand new universe that heaped the mountains to their heights. And I believe as Mary rested and Joseph walked this little baby out from under the covering and into the night sky, as his child opened his eyes and saw that star, that star that led the wise men there from the other side of the world, that star. That wasn't the first time this baby saw that star. It was this baby, it was this word that put that star in place 6,000 years before, effectively sending out his own birth announcement very, very early. But it wasn't just a baby. It was a love letter. Words that up until now had only been spoken but never written. There were written words. In fact, God wrote some of them himself on those two stone tablets that Moses needed a second edition of because he broke the first ones. God had started a story with the law, the cold, dead letter of the law. But it was only the first chapter of a two-part book. And this love letter, when Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, it's because he was the word. He was the word that made up the love letter, that made up the second chapter, that made up the book of how we are restored to the Father. You start to see why the Father cared so much about Christmas? Some of you guys are gift getters like you just like love getting gifts but then there's other people in the room like my father-in-law and you just get a kick out of giving gifts it's like he was like born to give gifts I don't know of anybody else who gives gifts as good as my father-in-law and I'm trying to butter him up right now because I don't know how many of you know that Christmas is tomorrow and if there's any last minute shopping but some of the best gifts I've ever gotten in my life came from my father-in-law because he just like he he there's something fulfilled in him and that's the picture of the Father. The love letter is not just for the one 
to whom it's written, but it's for the one from whom it comes. And saints, my prayer this morning is that we understand Jesus through the eyes of the one who sent him for us. This love letter was sent and we saw his glory again. Why? Because the light of the world was restored to the world in a way that gave us our vision back. We can see again. I, I read Jesus going through the gospels and, and, and he's literally healing blind eyes. And, and Bartimaeus and these guys who maybe haven't seen their whole lives and they cry out, Jesus, son of David, come and have mercy on me. And he says, eyes be open. And they're open. And you see the guy jumping up and down, shouting, I can see, I can see, I can see, looking right into the face of the light of the world, saying back to him, oh, you have no idea what you can see now. I'm the word that's a lamp unto your feet. Jesus, the light of the world. Jesus, the light of the world. That's why they call him the second Adam, because he was another chance to live not off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but to live off the vine. To not resort back to trying to determine our destiny and dominion in and of ourselves with logic and reason and all the stuff that should work, but for some reason keeps coming up short. Second Adam, second race, new nation, new people, new priesthood, new covenant, all written into a love letter. For God so loved the world, you heard a little preacher up here this morning, for God so loved the world that he wrote us a love letter, a living love letter. Some of y'all in here this morning, you've taken Pastor Kurt's class at School of the Spirit and it's called love letters. Is it called love letters? Like plural, like that, yeah. Sometimes I get mixed up with S's on the end. It's a southern thing. And um, John, John gets mad at me because I'm like, across the street at Walmarts. And he's like, Zach, there's one Walmart across the street. Still there, just the one. Whatever. But... As part of that course, which I think everybody should take, I think y'all should sign up for it. Uh, actually, everyone should. We've actually already done that. As you registered your kids, we went ahead and put your name in. So you'll be taking that next month. Um, but as part of that course, one of the projects that you do is you write a love letter. And I'm probably brutalizing the assignment, but the, the love letter, and you, you pray about it, and you ask the Lord, who do I write this to? And you write a love letter to someone who... And I've heard testimonies from people who have felt led of the Lord to write to someone maybe in their family who they haven't spoken to in years. Maybe someone uh, with whom they have burned a bridge. Maybe someone uh, where there's bitterness or unforgiveness or grudges or whatever. Maybe to an adult child who you don't have the relationship with anymore. Whatever it is, the love letter is written. And as... And as this has happened and now there are a couple of years now of this course being taught. I am ecstatic when people come to me and say, Pastor Zach, I wanna tell you about my love letter. Because here's the truth. We, we, can, we can write law, 
In fact, we can get, we can get attorneys involved and mediators involved and judges involved, and we can get legal documents drawn up that have signatures and notary public's stamp on them. We can do that. But when we do that, a situation might change, but a person never does. If you know our church, you know that one of our values is transformation because here at His Providence, we are not just interested in the situation changing. In fact, we're much less concerned with your circumstances changing. We're, we're much more invested in seeing you be transformed, you being changed. The law doesn't change anyone. But a love letter, a love letter will start to shift things from the inside. Let's stand together this morning. For God so loved the world that he wrote you a love letter. There's another part of this story 33 years later where there's a cross involved. Some of y'all are like, Zach, can we just wait till Easter for that when I come back to church? <laughs> a... I'm not naming any names. But what I want to say is, what I want to say is that the cross, you know, so many times we equate just the cross. We, 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 we narrow down the gospel to just the cross. But the cross doesn't make sense unless we've read the love letter. The sacrifice, it, it, it doesn't feel like it's for us if we haven't heard the word and seen the glory. When you have, see, there were people who had been following Jesus around for three years. Mary and Joseph were present the night that he was born, the shepherds, the wise men. There were people who saw this, but they saw the whole thing through the world's eyes, through the world's perspective. It's natural, it's normal, but he's calling us up higher because until we begin to understand what took place on that cross, until we, be, we begin to understand it from heaven's point of view, it doesn't make sense and it doesn't work. We're still using our math to solve a problem. A problem whose solution really started when the word became flesh, when he dwelt among us. Saints, if you're in this room this morning and you're in the dark, it's, it's kind of a joke because we're kind of all in the dark. But if you're in the dark, or maybe you've lost your way, maybe you're struggling to choose a course. Maybe you've watched all of creation demonstrate the power of God from a back porch or a boat, but you've never seen it in your own life. I want you to know that you can do it right now. See, that letter was written to every single stinking last one of us. It's just that some of us never opened it. 
some of us opened it years ago and we started reading it and the transformation began. But then life happens and we folded it back up. We used it to mark our place in whatever book. We put it in our bedside table or on our bookshelf. And we moved on with life. And then we wonder, well, I prayed that prayer. I got the love letter. Why, why am I confused right now? Why am I in the dark right now? Why am I struggling with what to do next and where to go? Because a flashlight doesn't do you any good in the dark if it's home in your bureau. A lamp doesn't do any good for your path unless it's in your hand, in your heart. And saints, I want to encourage you this morning. Jesus, the light of the world, Jesus, the word in whom was life and whose life was the light of man, that letter was meant to become a part of you, to change you, for you to then become that light because you become one with him. And so this morning, I'm gonna say one more time, if you're in the dark, if you've lost your way, See, it'd be crazy. It'd be crazy for me to think that in a room of 500 plus people that, that there aren't people in here who don't really have a relationship with God through Jesus. Maybe they bought into the uh, Oprah's theology that, you know, there's many ways to the, to the God. There's many ways to the, whatever. There's many ways. We're, we're all gonna go to paradise. We're just gonna go our different ways. No, we're not. There are countless people who are dying and going to hell not because they didn't get a love letter, but because they refused to open it and read it. Because they never submitted to that creative authority that ushered in a second race that we're invited to be a part of so that we can be restored to the Father. I'd be crazy to think that there aren't people in here who started this conversation, who started reading that letter years ago and then stopped. I'd be crazy to think that there aren't people in here who, who are facing a decision right now in their lives that is going to change the course, that is going to dictate destiny and dominion and what it's gonna look like for them. I'd be crazy to think that, but I'm not crazy. I know it's here. And I know that many of us in this room today, the Lord brought you here to reconnect with him. The Lord brought you here, not because you need to become a member. Like I said, we don't even have that. We don't even offer membership. <laughs> but the Lord brought you through those doors and whether or not you ever set foot through them again, what matters is that you lock in this love letter. What matters is that you begin again the dialogue between father and son, between father and daughter that you engage again in a conversation that started the day man was formed. A conversation that happens with Jesus. So we're gonna pray a prayer in here this morning. And we're gonna do it old school. I'm gonna pray and you're gonna pray after me. Remember how to do that, Pastor Tony? That's how I got saved. Still works. 
If you mean it in your heart. If you don't, there's no hope for you. You got to mean it in your heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for your love letter and that it was sent to me. I accept right now what you want to do in my life and I submit to your authority. Come into my heart and change my life. I'm yours forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing this together. letter and we just pray this morning God we pray this morning that we will see your glory God I pray that eyes would be opened Lord forgive us for for where we've chosen to accept a word becoming flesh but that we've also decided to keep our heads in the stand instead of really seeing what you want us to see and then utilizing that sight that vision to dictate, Lord, what comes next for us. This morning, God, may we be a people who turn our eyes upon Jesus and that your word would come alive in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Just before we go, can we sing that next verse? bless you guys. Have the best Christmas ever. All right. We'll see you next year.
This is Pastor Zach, and you've been listening to HPC Sermon Notes. Love you guys. God bless you, and have the best day of your life.